people. You're the one that's asking everybody, excuse me, excuse me, I have a flight that's about to leave. You're not that guy, are you? <laughs> I haven't had to do that yet. Sometimes they kind of see like the panic in my face. They're like, you got to oh, fight against right now. Like, yeah, be like, go ahead and go. Before they get in your people welcome into montgomery and company i'm renee montgomery and this week we have charlie jeter yes the sister of Derek jeter who also is the president of his foundation we're going to get all into it then we also have it's b terrell so if you guys follow wnba you're part of wba twitter any of the wba talks conversations you have to know who he is i'm going to talk to him about just everything going on including all-star that happened a couple weeks ago but we're going to talk a little bit about that as well and then last we're bringing it back baby make it make sense i'm going to hop in there with my sister cole because there's a lot of things that we got to make sense and we're going to bring that back to you guys so tap in it's going to be a good one let's go Okay, so I wanted to continue the conversation about unions, board members, executive committee members. Why is all of this so important? Because it's everywhere right now. So recently, Tiger Woods was added to the board, and I'm just going to walk you guys through it. So there was some pretty big news that hit the PGA Tour, which announced basically that Live Golf which was a Saudi-owned golf tour, was going to take over the PGA Tour. Well, a lot of the players felt some type of way about that. They fought back and they demanded that the PGA Tour add Tiger Woods to their board. So the PGA Tour was like, okay, okay, we agree. We'll allow this to happen. You guys can add Tiger Woods. Well, now the PGA Tour players outnumber the business executives on the board. And so basically, if you guys have seen Succession or any other show that talks about the board, you got to have the numbers, okay? So basically, when they added Tiger Woods to the board, the players are like, okay, wait a minute, we got the numbers now. So the hope there is that now that Tiger Woods and his fellow golfers on the board will make sure that Live Golf is trying to do things that basically are above board things that they will be comfortable with. And that basically will help with things that should help with basically they want to watch out to make sure no funny business happens. And they think that adding tiger woods to the equation could help that because they have the numbers. Now, this is why boards and unions and you're seeing all this talk. This is why they're so important because everybody was excited to put tiger woods on that board, knowing that he First of all, there's not a certain amount of money that probably is going to make him change his mind about doing something. The man is already uber rich. They know that he's morally grounded in the things that they're morally grounded in. They know that he's not going to just have things. So they feel like they got leverage. Now, on the flip side of things, the actors are not necessarily seeing eye to eye with SAG-AFTRA. So actress Gail being tweeted and quote, I'm in no way upset at cast or crew who are working because I get it. You got to eat. The union is held fully responsible for this one, SAG-AFTRA. You're not representing the vote of your members, nor are you moving with our best interests in mind at this at this point. You the ops. And then she goes on to say, I'm really disappointed. SAG members voted to strike on June 30th and the union grants AMPTP an extension. And then SAG members strike on July 13th and the union grants the biggest productions with the biggest stars permission to film and the lowest no-budget projects permission to film during the strike. 
So people are starting to feel some type of way when they're actors and actresses. And basically now there's extensions being given out for people to still film during the strike. So now where are we? So then you have big actresses like Viola Davis on the flip side of it. She was one of the actresses that was on a project, a movie called G2. They were allowed to continue filming by sag Astra, but she said, I'm not going to do that because I just feel uncomfortable. I'm paraphrasing here, but basically she said, I'm uncomfortable with continuing to work knowing that my fellow actors are striking. I, listen, I was talking. I'm doing a lot of talking right now. SAG-AFTRA. Forgive me if I said it wrong, but I'm talking about SAG-AFTRA. So now look at everything going on. And I know, I don't know if people have been keeping up, but the running backs is still a conversation going with the running backs and the NFL. And are they getting their just due? And are they getting their fair share? This is why unions, executive board members, all of these people are so important. I can't emphasize that enough. Who you vote in, to be your voice, it matters so much. It doesn't matter when everything's going great and there's no problems. It matters whenever there's problems or whenever things need to be resolved. The PGA golfers, they all band together and they was like, nah, y'all gonna put Tiger Woods on the board because we wanna have the numbers. They didn't say that part probably out loud, but I'm sure the business execs knew it. They know business. But the PGA golfers was like, nah, we gonna get the numbers because we need to make sure that we have a say in how this goes down. I know with the actor's strike and the director's strike, I mean, and the, and the writer's strike, not the directors, they are not striking. Um, I know that it's different because they don't necessarily have as much leverage in, in this aspect, or it doesn't seem like to me in a sense of they just demand something. And like the PGA tour, they're like, okay, Tiger, you're on. I don't see that happening for the actors and actresses, but I do see that some of the actors and actresses feel like the people that they voted to represent them are not necessarily representing them the way they want to be represented. And so I'm just saying you can do better in a sense of if I don't care what job you work, if your job has a union, you better start paying attention. Okay, you can start to see around now. Look around, look around, I, look around. You can start to see how important unions are. And if you are passionate and feel like you really have that extra fight for the cause, you might want to tap in and be an executive committee member if you're in the WNBA. Um, if you're in the NBA, be a part of the MVP, like be a part because as you can see, it matters. And speaking of that, I'm sure that's why Derek Jeter is very happy that he has his sister be a representation for him with his foundation and be the president, Charlie Jeter. Coming up next, I'm going to talk to her all about it. start by asking because I know you recently you pulled up to a New York Liberty game and you said your goat I and listen it was Teresa Weatherspoon and you hashtag goat okay first of all shall see you for pulling up to a game but is that your WNBA goat Teresa Weatherspoon he is um but first I have to say I have season tickets to the Liberty oh let's go (laughs) (laughs) I'm a huge Liberty fan but yeah no Teresa Weatherspoon I mean not just from her her playing ability but just who she is as a person I mean, she is just one of the best women I have ever met or people I have ever met. She's part of our family. We've known her for many, many years, and she's been such a huge supporter of everything that Derek's done and our family has done. I love that. And so you talked about the things that your family and and Derek's family has done. It's a lot. 
Okay. So I mean, like in a good way, when I think about family productions, as you know, this is pretty much a family podcast. I have my mom who's a host, my sister who's a host, and my wife is also a host, but we also do business. So I always love to ask people like, what is it like working with a family member? Because I do it. So I love asking other people that work with family members. What is that like? Well, I mean, I think it's different. You know, it's a different, very different experience. Um, I don't think it works for everyone, but I love working with my family, especially as, as we all get older. I appreciate it so much. You know, when I first started working, it was a little different, but what I've learned to appreciate the most with working with family at this age, when everybody has their own lives, like Derek has his own family. I have my own family. It pulls us all together more often, you know, we definitely, we meet with each other often where we always have a reason to, to catch up. And when life gets busy, work kind of pulls us together and keeps us together. So we've always been a close knit family, but I, I just love working with them. You know, it can be difficult at times, you know, when you don't feel like talking to each other and you still have to because of work, but we all have the same goal and we all want to see each other win. So it's great. No, I completely agree. Like this is what Montgomery and company does. It like at least every week we're going to sit here. We're going to have a discussion about something with the family. And you're the president of turn to foundation and you guys have Jeter's leaders. And so I'm curious, you know, what goes into ensuring that all the young leaders that attend the turn to program successfully complete the program, you guys have an hundred percent rate. So that's, that's amazing. And what is the work that folks see, but sometimes goes unnoticed in bringing the best out of the kids? Well, I mean, it's a loaded question, but, um, you know, the foundation has been around for 27 years now and, you know, it didn't start where we are today. It was a long journey and a lot of work and a lot of really great committed staff members who helped us see this into fruition. But, you know, we, we started out with a mission that was evergreen and something that was always going to be, um, something that we could tackle, which is supporting healthy lifestyles for youth teaching them leadership uh, development skills, teaching them about academic excellence, teaching them how to live healthy lifestyles, um, to be role models in their community, to give back, do community service. Our leaders are probably what makes <laughs> the foundation so successful. I mean, kids, they want to do well. They want to they wanna make us proud. You know, they don't want to go down the wrong path. All kids want to make us proud. And I think just having, giving them the platform to have a voice and to be successful individuals and keep providing them with opportunities to succeed. We've been able to continue to watch them do that and take advantage of that. So it's been great. No, it's been beautiful to see. And speaking of kids making adults proud, roughly nine years ago, your son Jalen went viral for his hat tip to his uncle during his final at bat at Yankee Stadium. So I'm just curious because like I can like as I say this, I know everybody listening can literally envision your son and that that motion. So what do you remember from that day? Like, what are your thoughts when it was going viral? I mean, when it happened, I mean, I didn't see it happen because we were all standing next to each other. Um, didn't notice it until after when it, <laughs> I think made it on the news or something like that. I mean, it was an awesome moment. You couldn't, you know, it, it, you couldn't plan that scenario. It just happened to be caught on, on film. Um, and it was something that we used to joke with with my son Jalen about just, you know, waving to the fans. Like, um, and it was at the time of that whole respect video that came out, um, yep. was 
working with Brand Jordan at the time and they did the tip of the cap. So it was something that he just did and it was caught on camera. And it's funny because I still see that people use that meme today when they're sending uh, messages. Oh, I mean, it's like literally an everyday type of meme where people are tipping their cap and that is your actual son. I know that just has to be crazy because like you said, you didn't even you didn't even know it was happening. Wow. You were a softball player, let's just say in high school then. So when you were younger, like how often did y'all train together? You train with your brother. So when I was in high school, Derek had already left to play baseball. Okay. Um, but when we were younger, our backyard, we, we could hop over our backyard fence and be at our high school mm-hmm. baseball. The high school was right behind us. Wow. And so there were the softball and baseball field right behind us. And we used to, on the weekends, usually Sundays would hop over as a family because we always spent time together as a family on Sundays. And we would go to the baseball field and Derek would work out and do ground balls and hit a little. And then on our way home, we would always stop also to do the same thing on the softball field. So it was something the four of us always did together. And it was more about having family time and being together. But it was something we did a lot. But I was very young when Derek was home. Okay, I love that, though, because I know that feeling of just training. Like, it seems like you guys move as a unit and basketball players. You know, we have our AAU tournaments where it's a whole family affair, basically, Mm -hmm. to to where it goes to practice, training, the games. And we often hear people talk about the Mamba mentality. But it seems like you and your brother share a Jeter mentality in the sense that, you know, you guys dig deep, but you also are always thinking about others. And you can see it in your mission, you being the president of the foundation. So I'm just curious if you had to describe what the Jeter mentality was, what would you say it is? I'd probably just say always giving our best. I mean, we learned at a really early age that, you know, from our parents was that just to always try your best to make sure that when you left the situation, you knew you had given your best at all times. And in that process, always making sure that you brought others with you and, you know, just reach back and supported others along the way as well, just like people supported us. So I would probably say the Jeter mentality is, you know, not just stick together, but also work hard always work hard, do our best, and then, you know, bring others along the way with us. I love that. And I'm curious, you know, you kind of got front row seats to everything going on with your brother. When was a moment that you knew, like, he, oh, wow, like, he's going to make it. Like, he, this is, he has what it takes. Like, when was that moment for you? I would have to say when we were younger, um, Derek was someone who knew right away what he was going to do. And he said it very matter of fact. It wasn't a question. It wasn't, this is what I hope to do one day. It was very matter of fact. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get there. And there was no question about it. And there was no other option for him. That's what I'm going to do. So I think because of he was so sure about what he wanted to do, I think we always believed he was going to get there. But that doesn't mean that we, you know, we're like, oh, we knew what this was going to be like. It was we thought that he would get there. We knew he was going to work his hardest to get there and be there eventually. But I mean, hey, I was in seventh grade when he got drafted. Wow. Yeah. So you were young seventh grade year. So, I mean, it's still you're never equipped to realize like what's going to happen in your life and how that's going to change with him doing what he's doing. But yeah, I mean, I think I really I mean, because right away when he got to the majors, 
it was like the first year crazy, you know, we learned quickly what it was going to be like and realized how big a deal it was. No, I love that. And with Jeter's leaders, we know that the young, the young people that attend this, this leadership camp, they talk about pressing issues that adolescents face. They share ideas, they share on developmental skills, leadership skills, positive steps, promote social change. So I know that having somebody like Derek and yourself, I mean, it has to be such a great role model. So, I mean, with me, we know I have the Renee Montgomery foundation and we, like to do a lot of different things boots on the ground and i can see you guys do as well so i just want to also say love what you're doing in the community and thank you for joining us here on montgomery and company for sure thanks for having me If you've been on WNBA Twitter at all or follow the WNBA, I'm sure you know him. It's B. Terrell. We have him coming up next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. have probably seen one of his tweets even if you didn't know you've seen one of his tweets it's B Terrell coming on right now he's a host and he's a social commentator and so what is that B like what is that well you know I've been doing a few little things here and there um more so over the past year so I've kind of gone from behind the scenes a little bit to more camera facing opportunities and so, yeah, um, I think all, all things lifestyle and sports that's what I do and I have fun with it and so, yeah, I'm just, you know, sitting at home sometimes or on the road, on the flight, late, late, sometimes. late. <laughs> why are you always late? Like, can you just explain to me why are you always late heading to why are you packing late? Why are you leaving late? Why? You know, sometimes, to be honest, I think time just gets away from me because I've been spoiled. I've been spoiled by clear and pre-check and everything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good. As long as I get there, like, right at that 45-minute cutoff, you know, I'm good. And then the next <laughs> thing I know, it's like, you know, pushing 43 minutes, 35 minutes, and I have to go into, like, a sob story so they can check my bags late or something. Oh, no. you the one that's asking everybody, excuse me, excuse me, I have a flight that's about to leave. You're not that guy, are you? You're not so that guy. <laughs> I haven't had to do that yet. Sometimes they kind of see like the panic in my face. They're like, you got to oh, fight the catch right now. Like, yeah, be like, go ahead and go. So, yeah. And so why did you leave Atlanta in the first place? To be honest, I left Atlanta um, during the pandemic. I didn't know what life would look like in terms of, you know, working in an office or, you know, just even, you know, social settings. And so I was just living there not doing anything during that year when we were, when we were inside. Because, um, you know, Atlanta was wide open. But I think um, my, I talked to my mom and she was like, just move here. She was like, your lease is about to be up. Move here. I was like, nah, I don't want to move to North Carolina. I've been on my own since college. And she was like, okay, that's fine. But then I thought about it. I said, wait, I don't got to pay rent. Hello? My mama going to cook. Okay. I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and go move to North Carolina with her. And then after that, I did a year in North Carolina. 
And then I really just wanted to kind of explore the West Coast. So I decided that Vegas was the move for me and said, let me see how it is living out here three hours behind everybody else. Okay, you doing all right for yourself, though. Like, you know, I saw you do some activations with Anscape. Um, I saw you pull up on the WNBA players and you did a did you do a tasting? Um, I th- yeah. I saw, did I see you eating? Yeah, doing AU. I was there. I'm an Athletes Unlimited. Yes. I was doing a tasty food challenge. You know, they, people, they know that I'm going to talk about sneakers. I'm going to talk about the Atlanta Dream being in the WNBA Finals. Um, they know I'm going to talk about um, some lemon pepper wings and all kinds <laughs> of food and being late and traveling. So I was like, you know what, this would be something fun. And it was really it was really nice to kind of get them out of their comfort zone, give them something else outside of talking about basketball. And some of the reactions of the players were hilarious uh, when they were tasting those different food items. All right, so do you travel around? Have you been to almost every gym at this point? Because I know you travel to a lot of arenas. Have you been to most of them? Yeah, I think I've been everywhere except, no. I've officially been everywhere. I think um, last year during the finals was my first time going to Connecticut. So I've, I've officially checked them all off. The yes. only one I haven't been to... Um, for a WNBA game is Seattle's new arena. But I've been there during the uh, March Madness. Arena. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and doing March Madness and stuff. Um, so that, I mean, I, I guess I was there. I just haven't been for a storm game. Just no, yet. it's great. Cause I was just making sure that you've been to all of them because I want to ask which arena has the best food. I'm not saying this because you are here, but let's go. ATL holds it down. I'm not even going for ATL. Yo, ATL, yo. Even if you're getting the from the regular concession stand, or you got the little VIP treatment down there, or whatever, because them sliders be hitting, them okay. sliders be hitting for sure. It was one time I went last year; they had like chicken legs and some gravy or something. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, okay. <laughs> but then you go upstairs, you get the chicken strips and everything. I just love it. And then also Atlanta is is really affordable. Okay. So like y'all not busting over the head with the prices. All right. So who is busting? Like who's expensive? I like because I don't actually. This is I just now realize in this moment when I go to a game, I don't ever eat or drink. Like while I'm there, I'm just like in the game. So who's expensive? I think it really depends because expensive is different for everyone. Um, but I remember there was I can't remember exactly where I was, but it was like eleven dollars for a bottle of soda. No, like for it was like eight dollars for a Gatorade, and it was like eleven dollars for a bottle of soda. I was like, wait, what? Oh no, baby! And you know, I'm I'm used to like you know three dollars, five dollars maybe or whatever. What arena was that? I really can't remember. Oh my god! Who out here selling eleven dollar coats? What? Yes, it was. It was. It, Cause I remember. Cause I remember they said, "Oh, you want to pop?" I was like, "How much is it?" And it was like, "I'm like, absolutely not. No, thank you. I'm gonna get this water from right over here." <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, yes. I'm that way too. It's like that. You might as well have been drinking from the airport or the hotel Hello? water bottle for that Sa- price. Exactly, what in the world? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I want to know how the process happens, right? So you start out liking the WNBA, watching the WNBA, how do you get to the point where then you're submerged in WNBA Twitter, then you're a part of the committee, and I'm going to get to that, and then now you're hosting segments that have WNBA players and Athletes Unlimited players. Like, How does this process happen? You're a photographer. How do we get here? There are so many different layers. I remember back in, I think, let's see. All right, I was always, some used to call me a Twitter troll. I really wasn't a troll. It was never anything too like crazy Uh-oh. or anything. I was just no, no, no. I was just really a. I was an avid. I am still an avid, avid WNBA fan. 
I would always talk about the W. I would, during this time while I was in college or when I had just moved to Atlanta, I think I moved to Atlanta right around the time of the 2013, I moved to Atlanta in 2012 and the dream made it to the finals in 2013. And I remember just like, yo, I'm finally getting a chance to go to a finals game. And it was just an amazing atmosphere. Um, and I used to always like just try to, you know, that each one, reach one, teach one type thing. I'll always try to bring and drag somebody to a game with me. So I did that over the few years, over the few years. And I remember back in 2019, someone um, sent me a post and it was like, hey, they're looking for writers. And, you know, I was like, I don't have like writing experience. I said, yes, my major, uh, one of my majors in college was English. And I was always like a, a grammar buff, things like that. And I said, well, let me just shoot my shot. <laughs> Lo and behold, they sent me a writing prompt and it started from there. And that very first year, I got a chance to cover All-Star, which was in Vegas in 2019. And um, you actually were one of my very first interviews. Let's go. I started out with Windsider and made it and, and made for the W. And I remember you were talking about bringing a bus down with um, fans. And I think. That may have been your final year. Nah, it was um, Let's Go Pro. And my foundation took a charter bus from West Virginia to Atlanta to bring a lot of people yes. to their first WBA game. And I remember going to that game and seeing all of your fans and everyone that came with your bus over there. And that really like, I don't know, that like did something to me. I was like, I just talked to her and she said she was going to be doing this. And seeing <laughs> them there hype for the dream and everything during that season that was 2019 almost made it to the finals again that year like i think what it came down to game five or wait game... that might have been my last year yeah, now that 2019 you... because yes. Tanisha retired and you all retired to say um the liberty's last <laughs> game was against you all and that was this my... is so me yeah. and tanisha's last game was together yes yes what no v what yes 2019 and i remember i interviewed tanisha <laughs> right after that game and I asked her some questions and she just smiled and literally a few hours later I think she announced her retirement on like Instagram or something like that what yes yes that's crazy that was the first time I ever shot a game that very um game that very last game that season Swin Cash was there with her um son at the time with her, her oldest Shouts son. to Saint. Yes, yes, Saint. Um, and Tanisha was there. And I took this. I happened to take her final shot attempt. And, and, um, v, you are yeah. lying. First of all, if you have that shot, please send it to me. I want to show that this, you just blew my mind. See, this is, this is what I like about journalists. Because when you're an athlete or a coach or even an entertainer and you're in the moment, you really don't connect dots. Like you really don't be like, oh wait, I was there when this, like, but just talking to you, I don't even know if Tunisia knows this, so I can't wait to go tell her or show her this so that she can know that we basically had our last game ever in the WNBA together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 2019. And I mixed up the years in regards to the final experience. I think the finals was the one that y'all gave away for the finals was 2018. But the last okay. game, right, because that came down to y'all in the Mystics. Um, and Angel yes. was out towards um, the oh, end of that season. Yeah. It's still it's still a little wound Same, me. Yes. Okay. I was in the Cambridge, like, I was almost in tears at that game. <laughs> yeah, I was hurt. But um, 2019 was the last game. I'll definitely go ahead and send you uh, send you that um, that that shot. But, like. That's crazy. Yeah, and from there, it's just grown. It's just grown. I've gotten a chance to work with some amazing people 
be in some amazing spaces. And one thing just led to another. And now here I am in Vegas, just still trying to grow, still trying to grind. I just have had some awesome experiences and I just love the W and people like you who have been so welcoming when I was a rookie, had no experience. And you were like, yeah, I'll do the interview. And so, yeah, I'm forever appreciative for that. Pull up. I appreciate yes, you. Thank yes, you. That's yes. dope. So, like, I didn't even know that you were a rookie at that time. So way to carry yourself and, and be what you want to be and just live in that space because I, I didn't feel rookie energy from you at all. So I'm curious now that you're on your path and you're doing different things, like, what does a dream job look like for you? To be honest, a dream job for me, I've always wanted to do something because um, I'm the culture guy. I'm the lifestyle guy when it comes to um, all things sports. So uh, obviously I understand the game too. You know, you have your X's and O's, but I always have found a passion with telling the stories of these athletes that humanizes them away from their sport. And so a show dedicated to just that, having fun, whether it's by YouTube, on TV or whatever, a show where I just get a chance to really talk to the athletes away from their sport, whether it's the field, the court, the pool, wherever it is, uh, whatever it is that they play their sport, um, that's what a dream job is for me. So uh, maybe some sideline segments, you know, doing some fun things, whatever, hypothetically, while you got your... While you got your Hollies and your Andreas talking about the game, I want to talk about the lifestyle stuff on the side. So things like that. I love that. Get you some culture hits or get you some yes. nuggets. I always call them like little nuggets that people may not know, which is why I can see how you went to the food and the tasting. I see, I see where your head's at. Yeah, I want to make the people laugh and feel something. That's what I want to do. Anywhere, stay tuned for more with B. Terrell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You take photos a lot, so you see a lot of fashion going on. Who is your starting five when it comes to tunnel walks in the WNBA? All right, so yeah, you on the spot right now. This is the hot seat, the starting five. I know you be seeing all the photos. I know you see every tunnel walk. So who came out stepping this year? Oh, man, see, I had to look away right quick because I was trying to dodge that question. Oh, let's see. Okay. Stewie, I don't know what it is about New York, but Stewie has been on another level in New York this year. Okay, Stu York with the fashion. Yeah, Stu York is in there. Enrique is in there. Okay. Let's see. Darn it, I wish she was playing because I knew she would. I know she would kill it this year. Oh, who? Skyler. Oh, so look how you are 
already predetermined in somebody that if she was playing, she was on the list, yes, baby. If what? she was playing, she was going to be on the list. Like, because last year, Skylar, like, obviously, you know, Puma, they had their line with her. Uh-huh. And she was, like, pulling out the fits. Like, it was like this Batwoman type goth vibe or whatever. And I remember doing All Star last year, she had on this black leather fit or something. And like I did this video of it, and it was in slow motion, and I was like, "That's the one, that's the one." So I know Skylar was killing, <laughs> but she's not playing this season just yet. So okay, Stewie Orike. Uh huh. Satu's been experimenting with some things. I, I'm, I'm liking Satu. Satu been putting some fits on. Yeah, yeah. So that's three. Who's who's your final two of your starting five of tunnel walk fits Ooh, for the WBA? Be a cheap one because. I know you said two, but it's really going to be three because they come in, the, they walk in together. The Aguna case. Okay. They've been having some co- coordinated fits. Yes. And so they're, they're a duo. So that's going to be one. <laughs> oh, um, look at that cheat code. Okay. I see what you did there. <laughs> and let's see. My last one, because it's been different, she's been giving us something different. But that denim, I, this denim on denim look that she gave. What are you talking about? Asia. A couple days I knew ago, that's who you was talking about. I was yeah. like, okay, Asia. And I got to put on for the home team. Come on, that's South Cat. Okay. But I can say I always love Monique and her frames. Moby has her own swag, yes. right? And she always gives you like this little look. I was like, okay, <laughs> look, baby, I see you. So yes, I love Monique and the accessories and stuff too. So yeah, I, I had a little cheater in there, but that's that's my top five for sure. I like that. No, I definitely like that. And uh, shouts to the denim on denim. I think you were talking about that true religion fit that Asia Wilson had on. Yeah, it was a, a pleated skirt or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Madi, uh, shouts to Madi B. Stalin, yep. who styled her. So I want to make sure I shout out people that are living their dreams because I know that's something that Madi was wanting to do too. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah, shout out to Madi. I love Madi. Shout out to Madi. That's what's up. All right, so listen, it's B. Terrell. You're in the thick of it. You want nothing but good things for the WNBA. Where do you see an area of growth? An area of growth, I really think leveraging, finding a, a way to really leverage the community and the college fan base and connecting that back to the athletes that are there. I think you have a few programs, a few college programs that do a really good job of advocating for their players, whether it's voting for all-star games, voting for any type of fan awards, whether it be at the ESPYs or Nickelodeon Kids or Teens Choice Awards. Those, I would say, top four or five college fan bases really hold their players down. And I think you, you saw a reflection of that when it came time for all-star voting this year because you had your, yeah. representative, you had your representation from those top four or five colleges, being UConn, South Carolina, Notre Dame, Stanford, and um, maybe one other here or there. But I think really finding a way to to connect the people and then getting out in the community. Um, I always tell everyone this about Atlanta. What you all have done with mixing culture and sport has been phenomenal. Because I was there when you first – I was there at McCamish. No, I'm going to go back. When we had to play the finals in Gwinnett, I was there – Oh, I was snap. At, yeah, I you was an the, OG. Yeah, I was there for McCain Mission. We were playing at Georgia Tech while they were, you know, converting Phillips to State Farm. Then I went through the years at State Farm Arena. And then even the first year or two at um, Gateway. Yeah. And to see what you all have done with that arena, getting the people there hyped from tip-off to the final buzzer has been amazing. And you all have really embraced culture. So I think by doing those things, that really you know, creates a stronghold and it creates rituals and traditions that people look forward to 
that's come into a game. Once you have that true identity of your team and that culture is there, it's amazing. I mean, come on. Y'all had Roscoe Dan. Come on. Saucy Santana. Okay. Y'all had, um, what, Baby Tate. Like, y'all have had so many people. 112 is coming up, pulling up on us for, for whoa, 90s whoa, night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When? I think so. Don't give me the lion, but I think you heard it here. Yes, but. <laughs> what is this? Numbers in your pocket. I remember uh, when you don't get me hey, what? used oh, to throw to those things away. I really might have to pull back up to Atlanta because 112 are the OGs. Man. <laughs> oh, yes. But like things like that, you all have y'all understand culture. You understand the city and you give the people a show on the court and everything surrounding it. So I think that's what I would love to really see um, going forward. A few teams are doing it really well. But I would really love to see it ramp up around the entire league and then on to expansion, of course, obviously. I love what you're saying. I'm, we're trying to connect the dots as is, like, in a sense of there's too strong of a following for college women's basketball for there not to be at least a little bit of spillage over and have some sort of following in the WNBA. But it's not going to just happen, to your point. So we got to kind of pull them along. Shouts to Dawn Staley for being a season ticket holder with the Atlanta Dream. I mean, like, that's that's how you bridge the gap, honestly, because yeah. we a lot of uh, South Carolina fans that pull up on us. So our arena's interesting. It's like, depending on who we play in, it might be split. Like, it's like, if Asia Wilson come to town, our fans is, you know what I mean? They're going to be like, girl, we love Asia. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if Aaliyah Boston come to town, them fans is going to be like, girl, that's our baby. I'm <laughs> I don't sorry. know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to root for that one there today. Literally. So shouts to the South Carolina Gamecock fans because like I'll take it you know what I mean like that this is a part of bridging the gap we will want to get to the point where you just love us so much that you cheer a little bit for them and a lot of bit for us because sometimes they be, y'all be cheering kind of loud for Asia I'm not gonna lie y'all be cheering kind of loud for Aaliyah and I get it I get it I get it UConn fans did it when we went to the Connecticut Sun but you know at a certain point in the game they also started like booing us if we were doing well or something so I'm just saying I'm just this is my because I know B you know y'all that's y'all's family I'm just saying why can't we be friends, be friends. <laughs> but, but I love it though like it's good it, it's good to see fan bases like that that travel yeah and like i said like, i already knew those games when anytime asia or leah if there was a game cop coming to town <laughs> South Carolina fans were gonna pull up and so i mean I, I just love that all right b well listen i appreciate you you already know our home is your home i've already let you know that and by the way how in the world did you end up on the broadcast so Side note, if y'all don't know, there's some mic'd up. It was called Turn Me Up. It's coming out. It's released, presented by RME. We mic'd up B. Terrell. We mic'd up Don Montgomery, Jasmine Baker. They was cutting up, man. And how did you end up on the broadcast? I have no idea. All I remember is because that was a, um, let's see, that was a spicy game. So what happened? Oh, you weren't there. I wasn't there. You was in my seats. I gave y'all my seats. The foul calls, Renee. <laughs> that game was like you breathed on them. They were calling the foul. Oh, um, they, you know, it was it was New York versus Atlanta, and it was just it it was a rough game. It was a very rough game, and so you know we were over there turned. We were we were getting hyped, and so I guess I'm you know I'm in my phone just tweeting away during the game, live action and things like that, and so I started getting these notifications. It was like. Oh, they just shouted you out on the broadcast. I was like, oh, God, what was I doing? What happened? <laughs> and so 
Shout out to Angel in China talking about, um, you know, basically talking about my love. I'm going to always say this is Atlanta's year. This is Atlanta's Let's year. Go. And then for sure, you know, I've been saying it. I, every year, I'm, you know, so far I've been wrong in the past, but I'll just say, okay, it was just a little early. It's this year. I love and that. And then talking about my lemon pepper wings and stuff. But um, I yeah, love they, that. They showed me some love on the broadcast. Shout out to them. I love them what they do. Again, that culture in Atlanta. I just rock with them. I love it. Now I got a question for you. Uh oh. Well, we're gonna turn the tables. Okay, what's up? They called me out for my favorite uh flavor, you know, lemon pepper. What's yours? Oh wow. So now he chose violence. Um my favorite flavor would be nothing on the wings. I'm just, I get the, I know this is so lemon pepper would be a second, but everybody don't make lemon pepper the same. And so that's that's what makes me nervous. Like I can't blanket it, just order lemon pepper because I've been hurt before. Okay. I've, I've been hurt where it's like, it's saucy. It's too lemony. It really tastes like lemon and not necessarily seasoned and pepper. I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought the lemon was silent. Okay. So I would just go with plain and I'll dip with the sauce on the side or a dry rub. All right. Is that, that, that cool? That's fair. I mean, I mean, I like drums too. Okay. So if we gonna if we gonna do it all, what you what you like? I mean, to be honest, I think, okay. So I do think sometimes drums are easier to dip. Uh-huh. Um, but look, I like it don't matter to me. Just hand me the wings and I'm good. Wings <laughs> and some good range to- and I'm good. Hello, pe- one margarita I never mind, you know. <laughs> Let's <laughs> See, I go. Can't, you gonna have me cutting up. You All right, listen, up. Atlanta. I love a good lemon pepper wing as as much as the rest of y'all. I'm just saying, I travel a lot, and everybody don't make them the same as here. That's all I'm saying. It's B Terrell. I appreciate you for coming through Montgomery and Co. and turning up with us. I love that. I love it. Come on, air horn. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it makes no sense that B. Terrell always misses his flights, but me and Cole are going to make some things make sense coming up next. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Y'all, if you've been following Remotely Renee or Montgomery and Company, I know you guys have known Make It Make Sense. It used to be people's favorite 
segment of our show where Cole would just get in and go in on whatever was on Cole's mind at that time. And she would just have to like, y'all got to make it make sense for my sis. And so I'm like, you know what? We got to bring it back. First of all, people have tweeted me too. So yes, I see your tweets. Thank you. Here she is. Boom. And I just thought I would pull up owner and just have her talk to me and tell tell me what she would like people to make it make sense and so cole what do we got what we got for us today okay so recently um i saw an article that came out and i'm just going to read you the headline of the article because it is important to know that we're still this is what's still going on today the family of Henrietta Lacks settles with the biotech company that used herself. Oh, goodness. Very fitting and very open. That tells you just about everything you want to know. <laughs> 70 years later, uh-huh. they're just now settling with this family. And, and, and the reason why I want to say this make it make sense is because there's a lot to uncover in this one little statement, because first of all, the family had no knowledge. Now, just to give you a backstory to what Miss Henrietta lacks. For yeah, those- I'm about to say, tell the people, let the people know who she is. OK, so back in 1951, there was a wonderful person with superhuman body stuff that was going on her DNA, her blood and her cells. And basically, Johns Hopkins just stumbled upon a gold mine that they've been basically making money off of for the last 70 years. And what happened was Miss Lax became ill. Um, sorry to say she did have cervical cancer. And so in 1951, she walks into a very segregated hospital, which is Johns Hopkins here in Baltimore, where I am located. It was very segregated at that time. So she walks in, she's sick. And they're treating her. Now, the question was, is the type of care that she was receiving, was it actually, you know, the best quality of care? Probably not. It was probably, you know, this is what we we had. They had to treat her. But they stumbled upon something that turned her into gold. And they they actually found out that even after she had passed away, which she had passed away in October of 1951, um, I think she was there for like six months or so, if, if I'm not mistaken, they figured out that her cells did not die. And so when they figured out that her cells were not dying and that they were rejuvenating themselves and they were they were like, wow, you know, this is something that would change the medical scientific history forever. They recognized it, but they didn't tell everybody they recognized it. They kept it kind of to themselves. So fast forward, Miss Lax dies. And then in 1973, her family finds out, hey, your mom's DNA is just floating all over the world. Because at this point, you know, you have to think about it in terms of DNA now people across the world have your mother's DNA. So this 23andMe, some things are going going to be going through that, you know, how these people, things are just crazy. So they find out. And so they go to Johns Hopkins and say, hey, you guys are still using my mother's DNA. And they said, yeah. And then have no reward, no nothing like yes and. We're not going to break your mother off any, any, your family off any money. We, you know, so what? She was here. It's intellectual property, basically. This is what we're going to do. And so a biotech company acquired this information and kept going with it. And 70 years later, mm-hmm. so make it make sense to me how, what kind of settlement can you possibly give to the family? You try to deny, first of all, that this ever existed. Then when you couldn't deny it, you fought it. You wanted to dismiss. You basically were saying, hey, it's our intellectual property. We can use it where we want to use it. We can do what we want to do. So make it make sense to me how it took 70 years for this to be something that the family. Well, I tell you. 
is now. And let me just tell you, it, it's so crazy because her DNA is not used only in this country, but around the world. And it's been used as recently as with the coronavirus on helping to actually get a uh, vaccine for the coronavirus. It's really crazy because I'm glad you brought this up because there's there's um, th let's make that make sense. There's no and I hope people start to realize that when we say make it make sense, we literally are saying that this makes no sense. There ain't no making sense to this. This At is all. nonsense. At OK, all. common sense ain't for the common. This is there's no sense in the make it make sense. That's what you guys we're not actually going to give you an answer because there's no answer that we have. We want an answer too. that's what we're trying to get to make make sense. So why in the world? But, you know, you have to think about the medical field and your, my first thought is, I wonder what papers she signed when she walked in there or, what, or how many ever, you know, when they hand you these stacks and stacks of papers, what do these papers really say? And when you're sick and you're going in there for an emergency, what are we actually signing away? That's my first thought where I get sad because it's like, I'm glad she did settle. I hope that they did make some money, but I could see that especially in different times where you might sign a paper that literally says that somebody can experiment on you. Hello, the Tuskegee. We know we, I'm not even just saying random things. I'm saying like you could literally be signing paperwork that allows people to experiment on you, whether you know it or not. So it's like, make it make sense for that. And Cole, that also makes me think about something. Cause I saw this story going around where um, the headline is it's in people magazine. And it says the headline is, Tyler Perry vows to help 93-year-old woman stay in her home after developers try to force her out. Josephine Wright is refusing to leave her South Kakalaki home, okay, South Carolina home, which has been her family home since the Civil War. It's crazy. People like Tyler Perry are trying to help her fight the legal bill. I think I even saw something where for um, in the, the Oklahoma, the Black Wall Street massacre and different things of that nature, people are fighting to just, I like, I hate to use the word reparations because when people hear that word, it's like, <gasps> they, like you instantly tighten up, but it's like, people are literally just fighting. Like, can I stay on the land that my family has owned for our whole entire lives? Like, can I just stay here? I know you're trying to do a big development. I understand. It's like, can y'all like, can we just make it make sense that we have some type of human decency? I don't know. It's like, it is crazy. What's so funny about people getting mad about reparations and they're saying, oh, reparations is bad. It's bad for this. It's bad for that. Who, who told y'all that? The only people who got reparations were actually in the Caucasian society. They got reparations. They were able to get funding and housing. Though They got their reparations up front. What we're asking for is the stuff that was ours. This land is her land. And 99% of the people who actually got land back in those days, they didn't have a choice. That's where they were put. Right. So- that wasn't like that they went and they settled. They said, hey, this huge piece of property, they were basically like, okay, this side of town is ours. This side of town is yours. Y'all do whatever y'all want over there. They acquired the land there and they kept it in their family. Now the people want the land back. So I agree. I'm with you. It's like, it's unethical to say that she has to fight for her land because you think about once they build a development, 
there's nobody who's going to walk on somebody else's land and say, you know what, we're going to take this land from you. It's not going to happen. Right. So why is it able to happen to her? And yes, there's a lot of unethical things. And, I and Roy say, said in the chat, it only took a movie starring Oprah Renfrey for this to happen. <laughs> and, and then the thing is, is that when you sign paperwork, like they were talking about intellectual property. So did she sell, you know, a lot of contracts. And now I'm learning about contracts with this, with the writer strike and all that stuff. You learn about these crazy contracts that they got going out there. And one of the biggest things that they said you never want to see in a contract is in perpetuity. Oh, no, don't say that cuss word here on this. Don't say that cuss <laughs> word right here on this here with me. So that's what I'm saying. Did she sign something in 1951 that literally said in perpetuity, which means forever that they would? I mean, you so know, honestly, it's like I'm scared that maybe I, I mean, like, because sometimes we underestimate the level of conniving people were. Yes. It's like, sometimes we really thought that we would go to a hospital and actually get the normal care we should have. Like, sometimes we underestimate people. We might think we go and like, oh, maybe they'll see that I'm really sick and give me proper treatment. No, here, let's, once we realize this, here, sign this on the dotted line in perpetuity of we need, like, you know, like, it's like, sometimes we have to really start to think like, yeah, they might have had her sign something that said in perpetuity. I could see somebody it, like, I mean, honestly, if you start to look at you talk about deals and everything. And it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking about like SAG-AFTRA and all of these other different companies and all these unions. And it always does come down to the deal. People are asking, you know, questions when it comes to WNBA and why are the players allowing this to happen? Why is like uh, it's in the CBA? Like, you know, it's in it's a part of the paperwork. So it's like when we talk about paperwork and contracts, I was already telling people when they have unions and people usually hear the word unions and sometimes they, oh, where are these union dues and all this other stuff? People are starting to see right now just how important unions are when you need to change something a union is so important. And so I don't know. It's just crazy that I love that these celebrities are getting involved on these types of stories because we would have never known them otherwise, you know, and they're happening every day that we don't know about. Absolutely. But like, well, let's just say that, you know, the family of Henry Lax and basically this biotech company, they both came out with the same statement, which means they both, you know, the records have been sealed. So whatever the settlement was, we'll never really know. Will it ever be what it should have been? No, it won't. Because you can't go back and put a price on how many lives were saved, right. how much they broke it down to the most minuscule dot of blood that they sent to this country. Or they, you know, we have no idea. All we know is that for what they used this one fo woman for, it was called the Hella Cells. It was Henrietta Lacks cells, basically the Hella Cells. There was 110,000 scientific publications. Wow. That's how much they have studied, used, they've had experimented. There has been, that has went so far and wide that there's no dragnet to say how much money or how much this was really worth to the family. What was worth to the family was basically the, the recognition you know, Johns Hopkins should be shaming themselves. They should name that place. Yeah, they should name a cell or whatever her cell, like cell. Or they should have a HeLa cell like section or whatever they're doing because that's that hospital is that hospital because of her literally put wow. them on the map across the world because of this. And so they didn't do anything but, you know, open the doors and we don't even know what type of care she got. So basically, I wanted to make it make sense, make it make sense how people 
and their bodily fluids can be intellectual property without their acknowledgement is beyond me. And it also makes you want to say for the family, her DNA is everywhere. And I don't know how it works with using DNA and certain things, but how many people could, if it's used for blood transfusions, if it's used for this, like a part of her is in a whole lot of people that could just be showing up in a whole lot of people. So wow, you gotta, you gotta think it, in this day, make it make sense how we can treat people as a number and not as a person. And we're still doing it. That house, that woman is her life. That's her family's bloodline. That's everything to them, but they're just, she's just a lot, a lot that they want to take over for this. And just like you said, Wall Street, people are just like, forget it. It's over. It happened. But how do you take away the history? How do you take away what it's done to um, to everyone else? And that's a part of our problem now is that we want to rewrite history and you can't rewrite history. It is what it is. So I, I said, make it make sense how we and we still have this going on. It's not just because we we think we think it's not happening. It is still happening in 2023. We are still being used, some people as intellectual property, especially in areas where there's not a lot of representation for people to do what they're supposed to do. So I'm not going to say in black and brown communities, it could be in any community, but people are still being used as intellectual property and, and make it make sense how we're okay with this till this day. All right, you guys. So that'll do it for this week of Montgomery and Company. And I'm going to continue to bring back Make It Make Sense, sis. Come on, because my sister got to make it make sense for us. But I can't let this episode go by without sending out my condolences from just my family, the Montgomery family, to the Levitard family. You know, Dan Levitard lost his brother, uh, David Levitard. He's known as Lebo, Miami street artist. You know, you saw the Miami heat even shouting him out because what he's done for the culture. So man, I just have to send condolences from the Montgomery family. This is a family show. This is honestly a family network. You guys probably know his family just like you know him. So, you know, this is all a part of entertainment, but this is life. And so we're here with you, Levitard, all the way. So, you know, you guys, it's always a generational thing here. And so when you lose somebody in the family, that's a generational loss. So our hearts and prayers go out to the Levitard family. We'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.